What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. My name is Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I have a podcast here that's about collecting sports cards. We talk about really nerdy topics. We get in the weeds. We like to dig into product stuff. We like to talk about the operations of the collector, the things we do to make sure that we're building collections that make us feel as happy as can be, because that's what it's all about. There's so much around us in this hobby, so many things happening. Most of them are outside of our control. We can't change what's happening in the industry. We can't decide what other people are going to post and what we see. It just comes at us sometimes. And instead of all of these things going on and us concerning ourselves with these things, what do we do? We niche down, baby. We block out all the other stuff and we focus in on our collections. We want to build those sets. We want to find those parallels. We want to be the best player collector of our respective player PCs, baby, because it is about that passion. And I love sports cards. I love collecting them and all the joy that it brings me, the connections. And you know what? As I'm recording this thing, I'm going to talk about just how I feel. I hope you know I feel really good. But I'm looking over at my Zion cases adjacent to me and it is they're full of memories. They're full of cards that I love, cards that I just really believe are meant to be in my collection and trigger emotions and make me feel something. If your collections aren't giving you the warm fuzzies, make a change. You have to make a change. Go search for something that is going to make you happy. Go find a chase that is going to be for you and not for the dollar. I'm telling you what, on the front end, it's all about the dollar. It's all about these cards. But you know what happens? Those cards lose steam because everyone's trying to play hot potato, baby. This show isn't for the hot potato players. It is for the long-term players. It is for the collector. And let's do the damn thing. I want to thank my unofficial sponsor today. I want to thank thank the good friends at Combos for being the snack that I need when I am going on long road trips. It is, uh, there's so many flavors. I have a ton of nostalgia around this product because it has always been there. Um, But this specifically, there is a business unit in the combos team and they're responsible for mastering the pizza flavor combo. So this episode of Stacking Slots podcast is brought to us by the unofficial sponsor and that is combos pizza flavor. If you are going on a road trip, if you need a quick snack, and you want to be really happy, go check out Combos. Um, I feel really good right now. Yesterday, I did not feel really good as we record this, and I want to kick things off by just saying fandom is a sickness, and if you're listening to this podcast and you collect sports cards, there is a strong chance that you're a fan of something. And most of the time, that team, that player... It lets us down. It doesn't give us what we need. And typically what we need are those wins, this consistency of wins, things that happen. And we 
are elevated after those wins. What happens most of the time are disappointments, but we just keep coming back for more. Just like someone in a bad relationship who continues to come back for more and get hurt time and time again, that's what fandom does. It is a sickness. And I felt both sides of the equation. I feel like Harvey Dent right now, two-faced in a way, where last night when I laid my head on the pillow at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I felt gutted. I felt crushed. I drove up and I went to the Notre Dame-Ohio State game as a lifelong Notre Dame fan. That game was a game I needed to go to. And man, I got on campus and felt all the hoopla, walked around, saw it all, all the sights and sounds. And I was usually good for a game a year or a couple games a year before my daughter was born and COVID happened, but I hadn't been up in a few seasons and I got back in it. And man, uh, first from a college football game perspective, a big game, big fight feel. There's really not more you could ask for in a game. Unfortunately for me as a fan of Notre Dame, it ended in an L and it hurt. It hurt so bad. It, it was painful leaving the stadium. It was painful getting on the road, driving from South Bend to back to Indianapolis. And when I got home, I was so tired and still trying to lick the wounds a little bit. And I said a little prayer when I went to bed and I said, football gods, if you're out there, you can grant me one wish and one favor after enduring this loss as a Notre Dame fan. And that is somehow, some way, make a miracle happen and have the Indianapolis Colts, without their starting quarterback, beat the Baltimore Ravens, who are 2-0 and in Baltimore. And I'll tell you what, as I record this right now, I can say the Colts were victors in week three, and I am riding high. The Colts' flags up and down my street are waving. There are smiles on everyone's faces. People are pumped up, and I am so damn excited. There hasn't been a win like that as a Colts fan in a long time, and everyone said the Colts were going to suck this year. They were going to shit the bed. They're not a very good team. Well, they weren't taken into consideration. My coach, Shane Steichen, the Gandalf of the NFL, he is the Gandalf of the NFL, performing wizardry throughout the both units, the offense and defense, getting the organization together. And we came out with a win. So I am super fired up. I love winning. Losing sucks, but winning rules. But you know what? You got to enjoy these feelings when you can. I love football. And I hope you do too. A lot of what came down this week from a mainstream hobby perspective was this WWE and the uh, Panini of it all, little legal lawsuits, all that stuff. We're going to talk about that towards the end. I'm not going to go through all the litigation mumbo jumbo and stuff because you know what? I don't really have time to like dig in and like concern myself with stuff I can't control, but I'm going to share some thoughts. But what I will say as a lifelong wrestling fan Right now, you're in this, you got with WWE, you got these TV deals getting done. And on the other side, you've got the writer strike in Hollywood and such. And I just, it's fun because it feels like the product's getting better. It feels like there's more attention on wrestling. People are getting back into it. And I just love it. So, all aboard the wrestling journey, it is my escape of escapes. Um, so I just, we're going to talk a little bit about that news and the, and the, what I think, because I got so many questions from, 
what do you think of this? What does this mean for wrestling cards, wrestling card collectors, for whatever? And I know this just happened with the NFL and NFLPA, so I'm just going to share my thoughts there at the end of the episode. I want to also just say that one thing, and I, I like try not to get out front and be like, okay, this is who you should buy from a prospecting perspective because I don't believe in that. I've been burned on that. A lot of people evolve outside of that, but I am a fool to think that the prospecting game is just going to suddenly quit. It is a part of the hobby and it's fringe collecting. Um, it's most mostly what you see on the front lines. But I'll just say this, my thoughts on the QB prospecting of it all, knowing that it's never going to stop and there's people talking, is this good for the hobby? Is this bad for the hobby? This is what I'll just say. If you're someone out there who likes to gamble, who likes to roll the dice a little bit and you like to point that to football because you love football and you like to point that to young prospects, I'll just say this, like make sure that you understand the situation that those young quarterbacks are in with their head coaches. So much of the conversation is about the young quarterback who's going to lead these teams through adversity. They're going to become the next big thing. And the fact of the matter is, it's very rare for that to happen. But when it does happen, typically there's a a talent and intangibles on the side of the young quarterback paired with a brilliant offensive mind and head coach or offensive coordinator who knows how to manage that. And I just want to say that. And like one of like that triggered for me when I was watching Thursday night football this past week, when I was watching the giants and 49ers game and watching what Brock Purdy was doing. And it's like, you know, everyone counted out Brock Purdy and everyone, you know, last pick of the draft, this and that, but you plug a guy who's got the intangibles of Brock Purdy, who might not have the biggest arm, but he's highly intelligent and he knows how to run a system with a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who I think is one of the best offense, if, if not the best offensive mind in football and you set him up with pieces like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and you just have him run the plays and get him understanding the playbook and have his passion and desire to be successful. You marry those things together. Typically, you're going to have someone who has a chance if you're prospecting to do really well. I'm so impressed with the 49ers. I'm so impressed that I don't even think they've hit their full stride. And I think they could be a Super Bowl winning team. So when you're thinking about prospecting someone, I think a Brock Purdy, and I'm not, this isn't investment investment advice by any means, but I just think like, look at the situation, look at the coaches. We don't talk about that enough in the hobby. And I think the more we talked about, talk about that. And if you play that game and you think holistically about each of those pur- purchases in the situation they're in, the likelihood of you losing all your money and not being happy goes down. I got a PSA sub back. Or excuse me, I hope it's it'll it'll be back by the time this is recorded. I have not got it yet, but I am waiting for it to come in. And I have I've I don't know I have not done a ton of subbing this year. I've definitely have a few, but I think if you looked at my numbers from last year, it's probably lower. But I think just based on my analysis, with you know, I sub myself. I know people go to other people places, and people ask me sometimes like. Why do you sub yourself? Why don't you send it to some other place? Like my take is like, I really like going through the process. And I know I automate a lot of stuff in the hobby, like, you know, selling through other people and 
um, try to keep things, keep everything as seamless as possible so I can focus on what I really love. But there's a part of me that loves going through the sub- submission process myself because I like looking at the cards. I like um, evaluating what I think these cards are. And the more I think you look at cards and the more you spend time looking at their flaws, um, the better off you get at forecasting what you're going to be get or potentially not submit cards. It's just one of those things that I have learned to really enjoy. And so I love just the fact of uh, the app of it all in PSA and the app, uh, the reveal process. I think that's a really cool surprise and delight from a collector's perspective. And I think that, you know, Again, like they've been on track for all the orders that I've sent this year. And again, like I'm not here to say like go use PSA. I think my take is like if you're subbing your cards and spending the money and you're doing it yourself, like make sure you're like highly critical with the services that you're getting from other companies, whether it's SGC, BGS, whoever you're subbing with. I think it's expensive. We all have, we all should have really high expectations and you should all just be making sure that whoever you're subbing with is satisfying those. And to me, again, I've been beating this drum. It's like all about customer service. Like make sure you're getting the service you want because it's really expensive to grade cards. And I totally get why people don't grade cards. I I get it. It's a personal choice, but I get why people do it. Um, So I would just say like, if you're subbing your cards, Feedback would be like, even if you've never done it before, like just sub sub and order yourself. Like start looking at cards, start um, trying to find the flaws, start understanding like this is what I think this card would grade for. Because the other bit side benefit of this is like 80% of the cards I'm buying are are raw for the most part. It's it's crazy. It's like the more and more I spend time in this hobby, the more and more I buy right raw cards over graded cards. And I think having the reps and sets in on grading myself and then searching for raw cards on platforms, it allows me to be highly critical and not end up buying something that is damaged or is not up to the quality that I want in my card. Hope you all enjoyed the episode with Josh on gold refractors. I'm telling you what, man, I sent out the bat signal on that one and can't believe the volume of people sharing gold refractors with me. It is certainly the most popular parallel I think I've ever seen. Uh, I reposted hundreds of cards and saw some of the coolest cards I had seen. So thank you so much if you participated in that. You shared your gold refractors and you allowed me to see those and then repost it. I love doing that. I love uniting the community around cards it sounds simple it sounds like you know of course isn't that what we're supposed to do it is what we're supposed to do but it doesn't happen enough it doesn't happen enough because so many people are so concerned about the stuff that doesn't matter to enhancing our collections so when the bat signal gets sent out and there's repost upon repost upon repost and we're going and going and going with gold refractors and people are seeing different sports different years different players and it's going and going and going, and it's multiple days. People get inspired. People start to see stuff. People see cards and years and sets that they've never seen before. And then they go down the rabbit hole, and they start searching for themselves, and they send me the cards, and they're saying, thanks, like, this got me inspired to go check out this year or this lane. And that's what it's all about. Like, so we should always be leading with the cards. 
We need to lead with our cards, share the passion, share the story. And I hope you're enjoying the parallels series that we're putting on. I think one of the things that stood out to me that Josh talked about was just like how like not all gold refractors are the same. And there's just different eras in the gold refractor, different print numbers. And I think the gold refractor, you know, if tops comes back, tops Chrome, like they're going to, the gold refractor, the, how is that going to jive in a, this era with prism? There's 50 more copies as opposed to 10 copies of the gold prism. The gold refractors are going to be, be more accessible because of breaking and we're going to see them all the time. I think that co- part of the conversation really got me excited. And I think when I talked with Josh, it was like, I, my understanding, my, the way I was thinking about it is like, not everyone has a LeBron PC, but building gold refractors and collections around gold refractors are awesome. And it doesn't matter who the player is. I think we just all have a desire for gold. And so I'm glad that that episode got in the can. If you haven't already, last Friday, I dropped it. Josh, Cardboard Chronicles, Gold Refractors. This week, we are keeping a freaking theme going. I am going to talk parallels. And we were talking about a parallel that I don't own. I just seen from afar, but I know there's a ton of passion around this parallel in the community and that would be the essential credentials parallel we are covering the ground you hear it all the time and i think um what i want to do is just dig in and understand the importance understand how we got here why this became a parallel that became highly desirable and i'm talking with my man Jake Roy, 90s b-ball cards to do that. So you're going to want to tune in on Friday. If you're not already, follow me across all those social channels at Stacking Slabs. I think one thing that I want to call out that I've been beating this drum a little bit is always stay in touch on cards that you want that are in another person's collection. Um, This happens to us. So I think it's okay for if you know someone has a card that you want, but they're not ready to sell. Um, it's okay to do it, but do it in a way that's respectful. I'm a marketer by trade. I'm always going to try to stay top of mind with individuals and continuing to ask questions and add value to the conversation with collectors who have cards you want is a really good thing. Collectors want to sell their cards to other collectors and there's a right and there's a wrong way to do it. And the way we should be thinking about it, especially if you're trying to get a card out of someone's collection is don't just try to grab the card and make it transactional, but build the relationship. Nurturing those relationships matter. All right, let's round the corner here. I want to talk a little bit about the WWE of it all. Um, I think this is something, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, impacts the hobbies. So just some perspective. I want to point to um, a piece by WWE Gilman, his blog, Sports Card Uncensored. He has been a guest on the Stacking Size podcast. Uh, for quite some time. He provides just constant updates on his platforms, uh, SC Uncensored on Twitter, um, WWE Gilman on Instagram, but he wrote an article. So I don't have the time, nor do I care to dig into the details of all the nooks and crannies of this WWE Panini thing. And I think the same holds true with, at some level with the NFL and what's happened there. But just like going through his article, just I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the finer points and then we'll close it out by sharing what I think of uh, this deal and what's going on. So on September 20th, Darren Ravel announced that at the end of August, WWE effectively terminated Panini's trading card license. And this was like 
I can't remember if it was a week, two weeks, a few weeks after this happened with the NFLPA. Um, There's a bunch of legal stuff. Injunction, restraining order, Panini sued uh, WWE for the breach. WWE countersued WWE's financial benchmarks to terminate the license, basically saying Panini was falling short of kind of delivery of minimum guaranteed performances that's needed um, in order for this relationship to be successful. I think for collectors are asking, like, is this the end of Panini WWE cards right now? Are we never going to see any again? From my understanding, I think the judge needs to rule on the restraining order to see if Panini needs to stop making the product. So that's like a direct impact on us, the collector. Um, So this deal was supposed to go originally through October of 2025. So from my perspective, it was like, all right, I'm going to, whether, you know, Fanatics takes over or not, like I'm going to have a solid period of time from the start of 2022 prism to, you know, 2025, where we're going to get Panini products and I'm going to be able to dig in and have a lot of those in my collection. Um, Now, WWE is demanding $5.6 million for royalties for those remaining years. So this is getting complicated. This is getting um, crazy. And so Panini already sued Fanatics under like antitrust statues saying basically they're coming in and they're trying to create a monopoly. And this already happened and this kicked off in July. And I think the importance pointing back to Gilman's article and this is like the restraining order that was put in will hold precedent with all the other licenses in the hobby. So for the most part, this is a fanatics deal this is wwe um this is panini losing some control and so all of this stuff like we can't control it's like we're spectators just watching it all come in but like my take on it is collectors are the ones who are likely to get screwed because there's going to be no new product or it's going to get pushed back don't think tops is going to be able to jump in right away and and turn around obviously there's autograph implications it takes a a long while for autos to, you know, get signed and go through that process. Then we've got three, three years. We've got three years to see what Michael Rubin and his team do. Like, are we going to wait this long? So there might just be this massive gap where there's no new wrestling card. So like, what does that do? Um, And I think while I am like, in other sports, not a big like brand new product guy, I am in wrestling because I collect Roman Reigns and want his best cards. So I don't know. I've been trying to like form my thoughts and people have been asking, like, what do you think about this? And I think at the end of the day, like it's, it's not great for the growth of wrestling cards because you're shutting off the top of the funnel or the people that are always going to be paying attention or ripping wax or buying into breaks. And I think collectors can survive though without new product, but it will take you to be proactive. You got to, Think about what exists. And I think there's been plenty uh, released over the last two years with Panini to have fun. Um, And that's creating new chases. It's creating new lanes. It's building new collections. Collectability of Panini products, I think, as a side effect goes up. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a holder. I'm saying this because I think it's true. Panini has significance throughout the hobby because of the dominance they've had during this era. And with wrestling cards, I think they're... They've done a really nice job. So it's like stuff like Prism Golds, Galactics, um, Immaculate stuff, One of Ones. I think that stuff becomes more desirable. 
because there's less of it than planned. I think there's so much that we can control, but oddly enough, this news has me more energized than ever to pick up the stuff that I wanted or have been looking for. Again, like we're collectors. We want to continue to build our collections with significant and stuff that means a lot to us, but sometimes we can't control what's going on. So at the end of the day, we just need to have conversations. We need to share stories, perspectives, and most of all, share your damn cards. My name is Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I have a podcast about collecting sports cards. It's called Stacking Slabs. We'd love for you to come back for more of these. We're going to have a great conversation on essential credentials with my man, Jake Roy, this Friday. Talk to you soon.